Football Friday across the Jacob Media YouTube channel. It's Football 24-7 with NFL insider John McMullen, all presented by Stateside Vodka. Breaking news on this Football Friday, Johnny Mac, a, a story or a name I did not expect to see, and that is Jordan Mailata. Fill everybody in on the very latest. Yeah, uh, Jordan uh, missed practice today, sprained his knee actually at the end of practice uh, on um, Thursday. Have to uh, recalibrate uh, what day it is because it's a strange week with the Monday night game. Um, so he hurt his knee at the end of practice, kind of fought through it, um, uh, finished the practice, and then told – uh, the trainers afterwards, something wasn't feeling right, uh, and he has a sprained knee. I'm, 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 I'm told it's an MCL. It's not serious, not the most serious kind. So it, it's probably the best-case scenario uh, for somebody missing practice, getting hurt at practice. Uh, but it's unlikely that Jordan's going to be able to play uh, Monday night in Dallas. So it's going to be Andre Andre Dillard uh, on, on in prime time against the Dallas Cowboys playing left tackle. So it, you know it's an opportunity for him to change the narrative on his career. And by the way, good opportunity because uh, the defensive line is not exactly a strength of the Dallas Cowboys right now with with Demarcus Lawrence on injured reserve, uh, even. Um, their backup, one of their backup defensive ends, uh, Dorrance Armstrong is injured. He's not going to play. So, um, you know, not a great defensive line. So if there were a game that you could probably get through without your left tackle, this might be, this might be it. John, when will we get the official word? Does that come tomorrow? That he will not. That the Eagles have to make a decision. When does it actually become official? Official that he will not. Jordan Mailata will not play on Monday. Yeah, the final injury report will come out uh, tomorrow, um, which is a typical Friday. Uh, as we said, everything pushed back a day because of the Monday night game. Um, so the Eagles will declare uh, their injured players and, and give them their designations. There's a possibility. They could list Jordan Mailata as questionable or even doubtful, but my guess is they're going to rule him out tomorrow, um, and he's and he's more likely than not uh, not going to play uh, against the Cowboys on Monday night. Boy, and Jordan Mailata is a big man. He is a big body on, you know, a big man on two knees, man. It's, it, it's, I, I wonder, and I don't say it lightly, um, how that occurs, you know, just from a routine play or is it wear and tear, John? Do you have a thought about it? <clears throat> um, no, the, uh, the Eagles said he got rolled up on him. So it's just one of those things. I mean, football is a dangerous sport. We talk all the time uh, about uh, legislating injuries. I, I talk about it. there's nothing you can do. I mean, there are guys who get hurt in practice. There are guys all the time. I mean, it's just, it's just a very difficult sport to get through. We've seen it all. We talked about the Eagles' goal in the preseason um, over the summer, get to week one as healthy as possible. 
they were able to do that, but you already started seeing the attrition. Here we are in week two. They lost Brandon Graham against San Francisco, Brandon Brooks against San Francisco. Now they lose Jordan Mailata in practice. But it's part of the league. You look at the other side, Dallas Cowboys, I just mentioned. They already lost Demarcus Lawrence. Um, they're without Michael Gallup, who's on injured reserve. Um, th- they have more injuries than the Eagles. So, I mean, that's just part of the NFL. It's a, It's always been, it always will be a war of attrition. The better teams are the ones that handle the injuries better. And we saw that back in the Super Bowl season. So many injured Eagles, they were able to persevere. Um, on paper, at least, they're better equipped to handle this than most teams. You talk about, we've already been talking about Landon Dickerson coming in for Brandon Brooks. That's a high-level draft pick. Here you go again. Jordan Mailata goes down. You have Andre Dillard, who's a former first-round pick. I know people are disappointed with him, but he does have talent. And if you look around this league, not a lot of people can go to Andre Dillard as the backup at left tackle. So hopefully he, he takes this opportunity and hopefully he plays well. It's going to sound like a strange question. Uh, what do we know about Andre Dillard? Because since Jordan Mailata took the starting job, then got the big contract, then put together two two solid great games, the first two games starting at left tackle. Andre Dillard is there, but he's not really there. I mean, he's there, but we don't know what he is. We, we don't know who he is or what he is. So what can you expect? No, and, you know, backups are backups for a reason. I mean, Jordan Mailata earned that job, uh, just as Brandon Brooks is earned his job when he's healthy at right guard. And when you have to go to a backup, by definition, you don't think they're as good as the starters. But again, to to assume you're going to go through an NFL season completely healthy is just not realistic. So at some point, you're going to have to lean on your backup players. And when you have backup players who are at least talented and maybe they have some other issues in the case of Landon Dickerson, you saw last week, look, he probably needs a few more reps as, as a young player, certainly with Lane Johnson, certainly coming off his injury, uh, hasn't had a ton of practice time, needs to sharpen things up in the case of Andre Dillard. uh, He's also had significant injuries. You go back to last year with the torn biceps, you go back to, the summer, he sprained his knee, um, had a broken um, hand, uh, a bone in his hand. Um, you have to rely on these people. And and the teams in this league with the better backups tend to be the better teams. And they have opportunities. And, and at least they're talented players with opportunities. Sometimes you have positions where – you don't have talent, and then you're really, really concerned. But I'm optimistic for two reasons that I, I've already stated, the talent equation part of it, and also this isn't Nick Bosa this week. Last week, Jordan Mailata played great against a great player. There's no Nick Bosa's on the other side of the field this week. So if it were Nick Bosa this week, I'd be a little scared, to be honest. It's not. It's going to be Randy Gregory, who just got back off the COVID list. 
we know his history, more suspensions than games played almost in his his NFL career. So again, if if Andre Dillard can't perform in that type of environment, maybe it is time to question whether he can play at all in this league. It's a good opportunity for him. Football 24-7 with NFL insider John McMullen across the Jacob Media YouTube channel. It's Football Friday, but Football Friday when it's Dallas week actually becomes Football Monday when they play on uh, Monday night. So we'll uh, be right back at it uh, on Monday. John, of course, will be uh, in uh, Arlington for the game on Monday night and be reporting on the live post-game show. And then you'll hear John McMullen all week. Um, as he uh, dives into what will be the end result of the big game on prime time uh, Monday night. All week long, John, here on Football 24-7, you have talked about uh, taking the shrink wrap off um, and and letting uh, Jalen Hurts prove himself that he can play or prove to Nick Sirianni, whatever you want to say. Now, with... Andre Dillard in there for Jordan Mailata and Landon Dickerson starting at right guard next to Lane Johnson. Uh, do you still want the shrink wrap off of Jalen Hurts? Yeah, because of the opponent and, you know, the Cowboys in a lot of ways are are what the Cowboys have become over the past half decade or, or so. They're very explosive offensively. I think they're number four in offense, about 425 yards a game. Uh, and they're number 27 on defense, and they give up almost the same amount of yards. So they give it right back. Uh, they don't have uh, a great playmaking defense. Now, what has changed a little bit with Dan Quinn taking over as the defensive coordinator has been they're a little bit more opportunistic, and Trayvon Diggs is probably um, number one in that category. He's got two interceptions. He's got three pass breakups. He played at Alabama with Devontae Smith. They were all SEC together. They used to practice against each other. He's a very good player, brother of Bill Starr, Stephon Diggs, the receiver. Um, He's having a great year. He's one of the most improved players, I think, in the NFL from the defensive standpoint. Um, And they have Micah Parsons, the rookie from Penn State, and – you know, they're so struggled. And we had John Mashota who who covers the Cowboys uh, for the athletic on Birds 365 this morning. This is how up against it they are from a pass rushing standpoint. Micah Parsons is their middle linebacker, one of their all-ball linebackers. Sometimes he plays the weak side, sometimes he plays the mic. They're moving him, and they moved him last week to edge rusher because he's such a great athlete. Um They think he can get off the edge with his speed. And they're so desperate to generate a pass rush without Demarcus Lawrence. um, They're putting Parsons on the edge. Didn't do that at Penn State. A lot of people thought he might project to be an edge rusher in a 3-4 because of his athleticism. Well, they're throwing him out there. But that, you know, comes with it at a cost as well. And the fact that Parsons is athletic enough to sort of spy Jalen Hurts, um, you know, who's a great runner, so maybe cut down on some of those scrambles. Well, they can't do that if they want them to to rush the passer from the edge. So Cowboys are up against it defensively. 
We'll see how it all plays out on Monday night. The other name on that list, John, and you can rattle off the list that was uh, put out today. Uh, I saw Fletcher Cox's name again, still listed with an illness. Is it any more than just he's not feeling well or what is it? No, well, the the Eagles uh, list uh, listed Fletcher as being sick. He's a, a little under the weather. He actually talked via Zoom. Uh, he's fine. He's going to play. Um, but they designated it as illness and rest. He's one of those players, and really, they were doing it with Brandon Brooks before he hurt himself with the pack. Uh, they do it with Jason Kelsey as well. Um, Brandon Graham, before he got hurt, a lot of these veteran players, they're just trying to manage them during the week to get them to the game, and that's the category Fletcher Cox is in. Um, But as I said, he spoke today. He's fine. Uh, He'll do a little bit tomorrow, and he won't even be uh, put on the injury report. Uh, He'll be listed as a full go for the game. Uh, but is he Monday sick? W- was he? I mean, it's one thing to rest the player and not have him participate in practice. The, the term illness. Yeah, is, I, the, I, the term I, illness is illness, right? Yeah, I mean, he's he was feeling a little bit under the weather, uh, but it's not COVID related. He's fine. He's gonna he's gonna play. Hassan Ridgeway also was um, listed out yesterday with an illness. He was back at practice today. So just a little bit of a cold. People forget in the world of COVID, people used to get colds before COVID. Yeah, that's true. They still do. They still do on occasion. And that was the case with, with Fletcher and Hassan Ridgeway. How about Zach Ertz off uh, listed on uh, because of COVID protocol? Any update from him? Or is that something that you're not expected to get an update. You're just going to be told at one point whether or not he's able to play in the game. Yeah, the league does not update um, COVID. Very similar to the concussion protocol. Once you're in the protocol, there's no updates basically from the team, the league, um, until they're cleared and out of the protocol. Same thing with the COVID list. We do know we have been able to figure out that Zach is vaccinated. So that makes things a little bit easier uh, for him to get ultimately cleared. But again, it, it there's so many convoluted things. Is he asymptomatic? Is he, did he have symptoms? Um, that changes things, how long he has to sit out. But he has to have two cleared COVID tests, um, 24 hours in between those two cleared tests. So the time frame is difficult, but it's doable because he's vaccinated. So he might be able to play Monday, but we're not going to be able to tell you that until he's he's removed from the COVID list. Now, the second part of this is even if he is, remember, he hasn't practiced all week. So maybe the Eagles don't want him playing after he hasn't practiced all week. I would think as a veteran player um, – they, they would assume that he could give them something. But again, that's a coaching decision. If you don't practice all week, the old school mentality was like, you're not playing. If you can't do anything during the week, you're not playing. Zach's not been able to do anything during the week. 
Football Friday here across the Jacob Media YouTube channel. Don't forget to um, go to statesidevodka.com. Use the key phrase, Jacob, get 15% off a one-liter bottle. Proud to have and thrilled to have Stateside Vodka as our exclusive presenting partner of Football 24-7 with John McMullen uh, all season long. Uh, as we transition here, John, a lighter side of today, uh, good old Jerry Jones uh, weighed in on head coach Nick Sirianni's beat Dallas shirt. Um, I, I, I'm assuming Nick knew when he wore that shirt that it would start to catch a little bit of fire and it would start to catch a little bit of conversation. Uh, Jerry, it finally got to Jerry on his radio show and he certainly had something to say. Did he take a shot at Nick by chance? A subtle shot at the first year head coach? Well, one, I'm a big fan of Jerry Jones only for the reason that he talks all the time, uh, which I love the fact that, um, you know, most owners, Jeffrey Lurie, and and by the way, Jerry is the uh, the rare exception to this. He, as you mentioned, he has a radio show, and he's had a radio show in Dallas for a very long time, um, and he's willing to address basically everything, uh, including things like this. So, number one, I have tremendous respect that he does that uh, and that he addresses things like that. Um, you know, a lot of the players got asked about it. We asked John Machota about this as well, Jody and I. Uh, nobody thought too much of it. And I think it's interesting because there, there's kind of a, um, you know, if you go back to this rivalry, it really dates back to when the Cowboys were great with Roger Stallback. And then you had the second era with Troy Aikman and Emmett Smith and Michael Irvin where the Cowboys were great. Um, and obviously when you're really good, you know, people tend to dislike you. Um, and that sort of generated this angst with the players. I got to tell you, man, I mean, Jalen, I just talked about Devonte Smith and Trayvon Diggs. They love each other. Jalen Hurts and CD lamb from their Oklahoma. Day. They love each other. This is like Magic Johnson and Isaiah Thomas kissing at midcourt in the <laughs> NBA Finals. People think it's not like it used to be, where there was tremendous hate. Um, it, that part of it just doesn't exist anymore. So the beat Dallas shirt and all that's great, but I don't, I don't think it's that big of a deal to the players in this generation. They just, they're friends especially the ones that know each other. Darius Slay was wishing Dak Prescott, you know, they went to Mississippi State. Uh, Jalen Hurts loves Dak Prescott. Darius Slay loves Dak Prescott. Dak helped, tried to recruit Jalen Hurts to Mississippi State. They all love each other, Joe. This rivalry is overblown. Other than the fan bases don't like each other. Oh, my goodness. John, don't say it. I'm, I'm telling you the truth. Well, on Monday night, under the lights, when they kick it off at 8.15, I'm not so sure you're going to see the love. You might be able to know the love exists or the mutual respect. I don't know if you're going to see the love. But anyway, I, di I digress. Well, they're going to try. They, they're going to try to win the game. They're very competitive. But after the game, they're going to be trading jerseys and they're going to be loving each other up. It's a new era. 
It's a new era. Speaking of new era, let's transition into the Dallas offense. Uh, Dak Prescott against the Eagle defense. Now, you've been able to look at his body of work so far. Much uh, He got a, out of the box last year, had a great start before he was injured. Uh, I think he's out of the box this year, uh, Dak Prescott. Uh, you know, in terms of where his game is. What do you make of Dak, John? Uh, how do you assess him? Uh, he's a very good quarterback. I, I do. There's a little bit of a concern, believe it or not, with his shoulder uh, more than his ankle, which he broke and dislocated, which cost him uh, basically the final 12 games. He got injured in the fifth game. He was having a great year. Uh, his numbers are tremendous as they usually are 76 percent completion percentage he's averaging about 320 yards passing a game so uh he's been very effective we know i mean that's what dallas is they're going to score a lot of points generally they're going to give up a lot of points i think from their perspective they know that they just want to get a little bit better on the defensive side of the ball which they've been able to do early by getting turnovers. So they lead the league in generating turnovers. They have the best plus-minus rating so far. Again, very small sample size. I mentioned Diggs has already got two interceptions, three pass breakups. He was great against Mike Evans in the opener. It's the only receiver that, that Dak Prescott, excuse me, Tom Brady, couldn't hook up with. Tampa Bay was throwing the football all over the field, except Diggs was shutting down Mike Evans, uh, kind of shut down Keenan Allen against the Chargers last week. So he's the one guy who you say, okay, that's a pretty good player. Demarcus Lawrence was the other one. Maybe Micah Parsons turns into that. So if they can get – if they can go from being bottom five – which they are again, they're 27, so they're bottom five. If they can get that up to 15 or 16, I think then they're a pretty good football team. But they haven't proven they can do that yet. Now maybe Dan Quinn can get them there. It's possible. Uh, that's the goal. I mean, uh, great defensive mind. Really, people forget. Obviously, they know um, him from being the head coach in Atlanta. But before that – he was the defensive coordinator in Seattle. So he was one of those cover three guys. So you're going to see some zone, which is what the Eagles have been doing as well. Um, and predicated what they don't have, though, is what the Eagles have up front, which is the ability to generate pressure with, with just a four-man rush. John, they're coming at the Eagle defense not only, not only with uh, Elliott, not only with Zeke, but Tony Pollard uh, is uh, had a good game a week ago. He's getting good carries and good yards. You mentioned him, I think, uh, it was either yesterday or Wednesday's report. Uh, you talked about uh, Tony Pollard. He had a better game last week than Elliott did. Yeah. Um, different types of backs, obviously. Zeke is a big, powerful back who can move the pile, uh, but also has some explosion, or at least he certainly did earlier in his career. Problem is the Cowboys used him so much, so many touches. The the history of this league with running backs is pretty um, 
concrete when you give a guy that many touches they're gonna they're gonna they're gonna hit the wall pretty quickly in their career um it's got to be a bit of a concern for Dallas because he doesn't look like the same player he was uh but Pollard brings that juice very fast very quick um tremendous energy um for the manufactured touches, the jet sweeps, that kind of stuff. But he's not the guy who can handle it like Zeke did for 25, 30 uh, snaps a game. He just doesn't have the body to do that. So kind of an explosive player, but you got to be very careful with his pitch count, so to speak. John, when will Miles Sanders become – catch up to the headline when will the performance on the field catch up to the headline that this guy's a great back well i don't think he is a great back so i think the headline is wrong i've been saying this for years since my people skip steps with miles sanders there there's great backs in this league derrick henry alvin kamara christian mccaffrey when he's healthy uh dalvin cook those are great running backs he's not those guys uh, Ezekiel Elliott at one time was a great running back. Miles Sanders isn't that guy. Um, he's good, but so I think the headline is wrong. If you're expecting him to be those guys, if you're expecting him to be a top five running back, you're going to be disappointed. If you're just expecting him to be a good running back, to be a nice complement to a very, very good running attack that, to be honest, is spearheaded by the quarterback, Jalen Hurts, um, then you're going to be happy. He's a good player. But if you're expecting him to be a star player, and I think a lot of people in Philadelphia are and have been, he's not. He's not those guys. He's not that type of player. Well, he is identified as being one of the talented players on the offense one of the playmakers is he a do you consider him a playmaker yeah i consider him i've always said he's a home run hitter so if you want to use a baseball analogy um he's the guy who hits 40 home runs but probably hits 230 235 um so you're going to see the explosive runs you saw him last year I think he had three runs over 70 yards for touchdowns. And then you're going to see him not sort of the, – the method in the NFL is – the mentality is if the play is blocked for four yards, get four yards. The, the great backs, if it's blocked for four yards, they might get you five or six. But if it's blocked for four, get those four yards. Too often, Miles is is trying to kick it outside, trying to hit that explosive, trying to hit that home run instead of, you know, you're down one, two on the count to keep the Jim Swartz baseball references going. Sometimes you got to go the opposite way, take the single, take what you can get, not always try to hit the home run. And maybe Miles gets to that point. Um, it doesn't seem that way. And then – the other aspects of the position that people forget about, I've always said Miles is a great runner. He's a great runner. He's not a great running back in that he's not a great pass receiver. He's not a great pass protector. So 
if you think about where you're playing the Dallas Cowboys on Monday night, the best running back in Cowboys history, Emmett Smith, that was a great running back, did everything. Not only ran the football, uh, great pass protector, really, really underrated pass catcher, uh, catching the football out of the backfield. Um, so there, there's, there's more things to it, and that's why Kenny Gainwell is, has such a big role in this rookie season because the Eagles aren't comfortable with Miles Sanders in, in some of those hurry-up situations where you need pass protection and you need consistency catching the football out of the backfield. Uh, John, who spoke today after uh, down at Novacare? Oh, you're putting me on the spot, Joe. We got Devontae Smith. I got to look. Everything runs together. Uh, Devontae Smith, Ryan Kerrigan, uh, Steve Nelson uh, spoke, Javon Hargrave. And then after practice, um, via Zoom, uh, was Fletcher Cox and Miles Sanders. Does Nick Sirianni script his first 10 plays? Uh, generally, uh, all, all coaches script their first 15 plays. But, 15. but, and this is the part that gets, you're usually off script by the first third down. So technically, if you're, if you're going great guns, um, you might run 15 plays. You might go through your whole script. But if you go third and five, you're off your script onto your third downs. So I think a lot of people don't understand script of 15 plays doesn't mean 15 plays. Um, you just have sort of a base of what you want to accomplish. Um, but usually you're off it pretty quickly. Um, now you'll go back to it and, you know, say you go three and out, Well, you're off script by the third play you're probably going to go back to that script the next time you're on the field. Uh, but it's not a hard and fast script, which I think most fans think it is. Good stuff again from NFL insider John McMullen here across the Jacob Media YouTube channel. Our Football Friday on Football 24-7, all presented by Stateside Vodka. Go to statesidevodka.com, use the keyword Jacob. And get 15% off of a one-liter bottle before we say goodbye to John McMullen and wish him safe travels down to Dallas. I do want to thank everyone who came out to Screwballs last night in King of Prussia. We had an unbelievable time, Johnny Mac, uh, out at Screwballs. Uh, you may even see one of our subscribers. I'm sure you'll see a boatload. But you may even see one of our subscribers uh, down in Arlington, uh, courtesy of a great night last night, uh, our Thursday night home uh, out at Screwballs in King of Prussia. So if you're from the Philadelphia region, I hope to see you uh, next week, uh, next Thursday night. Johnny Mac, yeah. great stuff. Um, uh, that's really one of 100,000 down in doubt. So that's a <laughs> that's a needle in the stack of needles. Yes it, yes, it is. And we talked about that. I used that reference last night, Johnny Mac, uh, where you talked about that big 100,000-seat stadium uh, missing the intimacy uh, yeah. of the link for sure. 
All right. Good stuff, Johnny Mac. Well done. Thank you much. On behalf of NFL insider uh, John McMullen and all of our uh, subscribers and viewers, don't forget to like and share. We roll on into Monday night. See you next time, everybody.